Channing Tatum can dance, you guys. Well, he was a stripper first. I know. I, I was reading about that. Um, yeah, he um he really he got he's got some moves. Um, are we gonna talk about that now or are we going to No, no. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we, we're talking about all of it, Sarah. I just I literally just finished watching the movie and I feel just like I I I feel like my eyes have seen so much. I just like I don't know even how to process it. I'm trying to was get that my your, Was that your first time watching the movie? No, I've seen okay. it before, but like somehow like watching it again was like just like I don't know. I I, I it was a lot for a Sunday, you know? It was a, <laughs> it was a lot for a Sunday. Um yeah, it took me from because I kept having to pause it and like I kept getting interrupted but um yeah. i think it took me from like 10 to 2 to like watch the movie like it just took so long to get you through. had like it was like an all-day stripper it was fest like an all-day yeah like a lot of dancing it's a lot <laughs> yeah. i watched it on monday so it's not as fresh for oh, me okay <laughs> um well wh- why don't we just get into this welcome to the feminine mistake podcast i'm one of your hosts nicole i'm your other host sarah and on the show today, I'm super excited. We have actor, director, writer, improviser, Francis Cheng joining us on the show. Francis, Francis. thank you for coming. Hi. Thank you for being here, Francis. <laughs> Francis You're is welcome. one of our good friends who works with us at Critical Crop Top. And yep. we're so glad that she's fi- finally a guest. I show. know. We've been, we've, been, we've been waiting for the right film and some apparently <laughs> with this one. Mm-hmm. Thanks for inviting me, and so thanks for one. thinking of me. I don't know Magic why, <laughs> but so so. Let me just back this up. Here's how it happened. So, uh, okay. uh, those, so those listeners, or if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, we're going to be talking about Magic Mike today. Uh, that's this month's film, and so. A little backstory. We have another podcast called the Adam and Andy podcast where we only watch uh, Andy Samberg and Adam Driver movies. And we watched Logan Lucky a couple of months ago. And Sarah was like, oh, this is my first Channing Tatum movie. And like a moth to a flame, even though this was supposed to be a podcast about Adam Driver, Sarah was like drawn to Channing Tatum. And I was like, well, we've got to watch Magic Mike now, obviously. So we were like, "Okay, first film on the Feminine Mistake podcast of 2021 is going to be magic Mike, and immediately we were like we've i don't know why but we have to have francis on the <laughs> okay. show like we're the first person we thought of we we're like we want to talk i want to talk to francis about this movie i'm not a dancer and i've never mentioned shannon channing tatum but okay i don't know <laughs> i appreciate it i don't know why lady i think that's definitely it um so yeah we're gonna be talking about magic mike and uh but before we get into that um uh, what have you guys been watching? Anything that you've been watching? Movies, TV that uh, we've all, of course, we've all had hopefully a little bit of a holiday break. Um, <laughs> anyone? Sarah, did you remember what you've yeah, been watching? I, I rem- remembered. I've been watching a bunch of stuff re- recently. So I, the most recent things this week have been the history of swear words. <gasps> Ooh, is that good? Is, it's okay. It's, it's hosted by N- Nicholas Cage. I mean, I feel like that's a win for me right there. And it's just kind of like, I mean, I learned some things, but I don't really find swear words to be super interesting. Mm. Um, But it was very quick. Like each episode was 20 minutes. They did fuck, shit, damn, Dick. dick, dick, pussy, bitch, um, 
And um, yeah, I think that that was it. Okay, well, you have my curiosity. <laughs> the one on bitch was good. It was interesting because they f- really focused on how that is like a, a der- 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 derogative term. Okay. And not just okay. like this fun like word. Like it's like this is like a problematic. Hold people down. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So um, all right. So the history of swear words on Netflix. Uh, Francis, have you been watching anything that you can recommend or don't want to recommend or say to recommend that people stay away from maybe even um well i finished bridgerton uh and so got really into that yeah yeah i did uh um i liked how even though it was a period piece they uh uh, they incorporated kind of like modern themes Mm -hmm. um into it uh and like the the costuming and everything was gorgeous but and the people of course gorgeous um a whole lot of sex which is fine (laughs) which i feel like is a good a, a good recipe for thirsty quarantine. Um, yeah, there's a lot of thirst. I also watched the first three episodes of History of Swear Words. Okay. Um, uh, I I liked it. I thought it was funny. Like Nicolas Cage. I, I think it's just kind of like an over the top type of thing where they're yeah. describing things. Um, but like yeah, the the getting to the root of the words and how it has evolved, and then how taking back the derogatory meanings and then making it your own, especially for um for some marginalized groups so that's interesting uh, okay yeah. well yeah, then you I- should definitely see it like it's 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 good it's just not like mind-blowing i guess for for me um but yeah it's just short snippets yeah. i think that you know people were bored and then just like this would be fun let's yeah. throw nicholas cage in here it's like something they something could have done during that- quarantine Oh, they did during quarantine. Something that yeah. they were like, we were going to do this as a web series, but now that we can only film things uh, with one person at a time, we're going to get Nicolas Cage in here. He's going to be weird. And we're going to yeah. talk about some swear words. And they got, I don't yeah. know. It sounds Stay like my jam. Stand up com- comedians too, like Sarah Sil- yeah. Sil- Silverman. Who else do they have, Fran- Francis? Um, uh, well, they're not as known to me, so I can't remember their names because it's a lot of young comedians. A lot but of yeah, young they. Comedians. Yeah. Gosh. You, you'd know so some of them, a, Nicole. I forget so some more of them. Yeah, it's an ensemble of people. So it's like Nicolas mm-hmm. Cage introduce, does the introduction, oh. and then it goes. It's kind of like a VH1 style where they go from like this person talks about this, and then I they go, the next comedian and stuff like that. So it's a um, bit like Vin, he. It's like Nicolas Cage is the Vincent Price of the swear word show. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. I'm into that. <laughs> okay. So Bridgerton, all things you can watch on Netflix uh, so far. Um, I've been watching The Stand on CBS, and I promise not to give any spoilers because I know there are some folks who may be wanting to watch it. And so I think we talked about The Stand on the last episode of the Feminine Mistake podcast, right, Sarah? Mm -hmm. And I had said that the narrative structure was... uh, They fucked it up. Well, so I'm, I'm now six episodes deep into a nine episode series. And so the, if you didn't last listen to the last episode, uh, listeners, I love the book, the stand I've read it dozens of times. Um, and I, of course I've seen the nineties miniseries and I had high hopes for the show. Um, I stand by my opinion that the acting is stellar. It is the acting's great. Mostly uh, the acting is great. Um, the cinematography is great, obviously. 
I like some of the moments that they chose that the miniseries didn't use, but I'm at the point now where I have been expecting a little bit more and I'm not getting it and I'm feeling a little disappointed. Um, I, I A lot of people on Twitter were dragging this the show uh, from the beginning and I was really like keeping, keep, keeping the flame of hope alive, but it's just like I don't I don't understand how you can have a show that has more time to develop the characters than the 90s miniseries does and yet everyone in the show feels so one-dimensional except for Harold Lauder who feels like he's almost become like the main character of the show which while I love that character um I I feel like the characters in the book that really drew me into the story like Nick Andrews for example are just like not not uh, not very well developed at all. Everything feels like it's happening too fast. It's too choppy. Uh, it's it's disappointing. There seems like a lot of stuff there that's really for spectacle, especially in the Vegas scenes. Even like there's things like uh, for a show that is on the internet and can be push the envelope, which they have done a couple of times with the language. There's like it's surprisingly puritanical. There are characters in the book that have. In on the good team, right? Because there's the good guys and the bad guys. And on the good guys team, there's several like moments, sex encounters that are very important in the character development that they completely ignore in favor of a lot of gratuitous fucking and multi like like intentional like provocative sex in all of the Vegas scenes where they're just kind of in the background, just people like constantly fucking in cages, and it's like salacious and like oh look at how bad Vegas is because everyone's having sex and it's just like I don't like that I don't like that viewpoint you know and so these scenes where you like for example there's these two characters Franny and Stu in the book uh Franny is traveling with Harold who is kind of the incel <laughs> of the of the story and Harold Ferry is very possessive of Franny and then they meet up with Stu and Stu comes along and basically Stu takes Harold aside and is like, hey, I know you don't trust me. I'm not here to like break up whatever you've got going on with this woman already, which is weird. But like this, it was weird in the book, but it's almost like this thing that now has to occur as people renegotiate society, I, I guess. Uh, and late, eventually Franny and Stu start up a relationship and Harold witnesses them having sex and it's a whole weird thing and it and it sets up all this tension that leads to some really big stuff later and they completely left it out of the story in favor of all this gratuitous fucking in Vegas instead so it's like things that could have added to the story that they just chose to leave out and so it, I, I'm just confused as to what the decision making was there when it wasn't like we can't show sex on TV because they sure did it in the 90s miniseries when it was on like ABC or whatever prime time. They they found a way to tell that story and make it part of it. I don't know. I'm very disappointed at this point with the stand. I had high hopes. So That's a bummer. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm not saying people shouldn't watch it because I think that you can take if I were to take the actors and the cinematography from this show and put it in the 90s miniseries then I feel like I'd have the perfect mix. But it's like the writing and the structure of it is just not, they've they've really not done a good job with it, I feel like. Uh, also, Trash Can Man, who's played by Ezra Miller, I could go on all day about how bad his performance is, and I don't know if it's his fault or the 
director. Like, I don't know whose idea this was, but he's playing, he's almost like playing him like animal from the Muppets. <laughs> and I don't understand why. And it's offensive on multiple levels and not true to the character at all. And I just was hoping for more. So I'm a little, I'm going to keep watching, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I don't see it getting better at this point. I'm going to be shocked if I change my feelings about it after this, this deep into the show. So that's what I've been watching. I've, Sarah, you've never read the stand. Francis, have you ever read the stand? No. Okay. I don't do scary movies or books okay. if I can help it. Well, this one would be a tough slog at this point because the first like third of the book is all about how the super virus kills most of the world's population. So hmm. yeah, it's kind of a touch touchy subject right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, shall we get into this movie, you guys? Sure. sure. All right. So Magic Mike, before we get into it, uh, we always do a little bit here where we talk about what our experience was, the, was with the film prior to the show. So had, uh, so let's start with Francis. Had you seen this movie before? Is this your first time watching it? Uh, any preconceived notions about Magic Mike? So uh, this I have seen it before. Um, I remember when this came out and it was such a, it was such a big deal because thirsty ladies everywhere were wanting to see this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it took two attempts to see it the first when it like originally came out in theaters. I remember because I was coming off of a leg injury and I went with a friend and we were at Atlantic Station and there was a line to get into the movie theater, but the line was backed up on the escalator. And so I'm Holy here shit. I am what with only one working leg trying to like stay in t- in, <laughs> in sync with the escalator. So and I'm like, uh, we're going to have to move this line because I can't walk. <laughs> wow. And then the movie was sold out. So we wound up watching Brave, the Disney movie Brave. Which I love. Which was Very really good. Same thing. Very it's not the same movie. thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but woo, lady empowerment. And then, uh, and then event- we eventually did get to see it, but I don't remember the circumstances or like who I was with or what theater that was, but I do remember seeing it. Um, and then this was my second time watching it. So it was jam packed basically. Like you couldn't yeah, get it. Yeah. It was all cougars. Cougars uh, out the door. Cougars yeah. down the Literally block. the line was down the escalator and I'm like, we're wow. going to have to move you bitches. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy yeah Uh, i don't i don't like men that are younger than like two years from me so i don't understand the whole (laughs) cougar thing i guess it is it's weird yeah Yeah. sarah's like i've got a sharp cut off sharp um (laughs) i mean it might change when i get older but i already found my my person so that's fine um i just i expect that when sarah gets into her 50s she's gonna be like just cougar just cougar town. She'll be, like, be like, I just will eat men. my words. I'll be like, I was wrong, guys. Like 19 years old. That's it. That's all I'm going to Even I'm now, joking. 19 yeah. just sounds like babies. Um, yeah. So they I. They are. Yeah. So I had heard about this mo- 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 movie when it came out. It came out in 2012. And I remember there being a big like magic mic. Ooh, like this big thing. And I was like, eh. I'm not really into it. Like I, it wasn't something I thought it was going to be bad. Like I just didn't think it was going to be like a quality film. So I was mm-hmm. like, I don't, it's like an American pie type thing. Like I thought it was just going to be this dumb um, thing. So I didn't see it. Um, 
So this was the first time today that um, that I saw it. So we made oh. you watch it. Maybe. You are a magic mic virgin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have seen this movie before. Um, I also, when it came out, uh, expected that it would was stupid. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't think too hard about it. I was just like, oh, it's just a it's just a meat movie, uh, which is fine. Uh, but I can rent a meat movie. I don't need to go to the theater to see it. And of course, in 2012, I would have had two kids at that point. So I'm not going to the theater unless it's something uh, Star something Wars. Something big. Like Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I did eventually rent it uh, because I was like, oh, this is a Steven Soderbergh movie. And also I... Uh, had heard it was good and I actually re- remember my recollection of watching it in the past before this was I did I didn't honestly remember a lot of it at all um, so it was kind of like watching it for the first time I remember being feeling like I needed a shower like I felt a little icky like a little sticky and a little huh. icky after watching it but I remember thinking like that was actually surprisingly good um when I saw it last time, I was like, "Oh, that yeah. was I that was a better film than I expected." I think was. I came out I of it thinking it. it was kind of like Boogie Nights light, kind of like a more yeah. fun, a funner version of Boogie Nights. Yeah, I also Less haven't depressing. seen. Oh, Sarah, I'm going to add that to the list of things that we should probably do on the show <laughs> oh because gosh. Boogie Nights is definitely one to talk about. Um, okay, well, that's our experience with the film prior to the podcast. So let's get into talking about this movie. The house is a mess, Jack. The kids are a mess, Jack. You're a mess, Jack. You have been a total bitch ever since you came to New York. You seem sort of distant. Let's just do it, man. You look stupid and rich. Stupid and stupid and rich. Fascist. All right, let's get into it. Magic Mike, 2012, uh, director Steven Soderbergh and writer Reed. Oh, I fucking didn't write this down right. Reed Caroline or Reed Carolyn. I don't yeah. know. He wrote it. Wrote a lot of other stuff that Channing Tatum is in. I think I have a feeling there's some kind of producing team. I'm going to guess. Yeah, and he and Chan, 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 Channing Tatum was actually one of the executive pr- 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 producers I saw. Right. And as uh, as Francis mentioned uh, earlier in the uh, in this recording, uh, this was based on his experiences, uh, loosely based on his experiences as a male dancer. So it was based on his experiences. Like I knew he was a stripper, but I didn't know this was based on like stuff that he had gone through. I don't know how much of it is from his life, but I'm uh, you know, I definitely felt in watching it like this was not written by somebody's outside view like this definitely felt like an inside job if you know what i'm saying there's it's felt like it had a lot of details it felt very yeah. real i mean even the way it was shot the way they yeah. made you, it was like you're in there you're backstage yeah. you're in it it was yeah. felt very um anyway um gosh i don't even know where to begin Sarah, let's start with uh, something off of your list where would you well, like that to start? was actually one of the things that i wanted to talk about is how it was shot and how it was <laughs> edited as well like I was very it was very striking in the first few scenes how um I I kind of stopped paying attention to it after this but it seemed to be edited in a kind of unique way where it held on character sorry (laughs) (laughs) it held on characters (laughs) 
before they talked, while they were talking, after they talked, and then sometimes like very loose just, editing. Well, so sometimes it was just like when someone else was talking, you just saw the person's reaction. I thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was different. It was definitely different, but it was very interesting. Yeah, I feel like it is in keeping with some of other Soderbergh's other films, certainly not Ocean's Eleven, which is more your like peppy, heisty, mainstream kind of movie. It had an independent film feel where it was very slice of life. Um, It was not, while there was a lot of spectacle in it, it was, I think, more about the intimate moments between the people and what was going on with them internally. And I think that the the shooting reflected that there was a lot of scenes where you were like, you wouldn't expect that to be included in the movie. Like just a couple of guys on a rooftop. They spent plenty of time with them putting that tile down. Whereas like, you know, uh, a lot of quiet moments that it was surprising that we spent time in that quiet, given that this movie is about this crazy lifestyle. There were lots of things that were like, there was like a scene that seemed to be, should have been an intimate scene between Joe, 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 Joanna and Mike on the beach but it was like in super wide the entire time mm-hmm. just one big wide shot and I was like that was an interesting choice well I think that I remember that because I literally just watched this movie I feel like the the I feel like the reason for that was because the intimacy between the and we can talk about this of course the intimacy between Joanna and uh Mike is not real yeah very surface yeah and it gives us a chance to see brooke kind of walk away from the conversation and go off by herself into the ocean which i think is more important than what these two are saying to each other yeah 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 so yeah that was my first thing yeah i definitely made note of that um in real life it was a really small island and they had a limited amount of crew they could put in there oh okay i see interesting um, yeah, that the beach, big beach party. Yeah. Gosh. Um, okay, let's see. Gosh, where do I want to go next? There's just so much here. <laughs> um, so much. I guess I'm just going to come out and say it. This movie is like a throbbing dick. That's what I kept thinking to myself this whole time. Um, it was just like... the. It was just so sweaty and mask the masculinity the 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 performance of masculinity um i guess i'd like to start there because i feel like one of my big questions like obviously this movie is very hyper masculine it's not really a story about women although there are women in the movie um i feel like it's more a story about men and their relationships and their how they structure those relationships and navigate them amongst each other. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's this very like hyper performative masculinity that's going on. And so I guess my question is for you, for you guys is, do you think that this hyper masculinity of like, you know, pushing guys to their limit of like being a man and acting like a man and like they're all their, the way they even they move their body when they're not even on stage is that something that these guys are just naturally like this or is this something they've developed because they're like basically man meat like three nights a week? See, I didn't, I guess I think I have a a different take on it because I felt that 
even though it's a hyper masculine type of movie because of the way their mu- muscle tone and the way mm-hmm. their bodies are built, but mm-hmm. also like how, how often do you have men just hanging out naked or half naked backstage, hu- hugging, hugging each other, high fiving? Yeah, um, and then like you know yeah. when Matthew McConaughey Dallas is teaching uh, Adam. The, yeah, Adam, the kid mm-hmm. had a dance. He's like, he's right on him, and it, yeah. they're mm-hmm. not embarrassed about it's it. It's just a thing. Yeah. He's wearing his short shorts. They're for this movie. They're all straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no, there's no discussion of like I'm not gay. Like, there's no discussion of yeah, gay or like straight you got anything. Joe Manganiello's pumping his penis in front of everybody. I know, so it's was just crazy. I, I do <laughs> think Dallas did say something about how like this isn't about being like w- when he was on him. And like sort of moving his hips around, he did say something about like this isn't about like get, being gay. Like I'm just showing you how to move. Like l- like he like the like Adam was uncomfortable with it. Mm, okay, but Dallas that, wasn't. Yeah, it was like really you you it he it was just something he kind of said while he was in the middle of showing him how to move his hips. Yeah. But overall, I agree with you. There there, but you know what? There was other stuff like when um. Tarzan played by Kevin Nash, um, wrestler Kevin Nash. Um, Watching him was hilarious because I could do that the second time around and it was just like, he doesn't move. <laughs> no, he was like, I'd like to, I, I'm going to put Tarzan, which is his stage name, in the category of like that male stripper at the club where you're like, ooh, uh, what's he doing here? <laughs> like, you're like, Ugh. Um, like maybe he got in on a seniority. I don't know. Um, but uh oh gosh, I got distracted. What what do you mean? I don't I I didn't look, I didn't his body's not bad. I'm just saying like he's not He's got a butter face. He's got a butter face. Guys, don't don't do that. Like that's well, we we hate when, right. when guys do that right. to us. You're right. He's not he I don't find him attractive. Yes. But also he was weird and kind of creepy. So it's not just his face. It's like he's weird and creepy and like he just stuck out to me as like not fitting in with the Yeah, he wasn't in the routines, I don't think. Where they all He was. He was. was. He he was in the back. He's in the back and he doesn't move. Oh, I didn't even see that. Sometimes he gets too wasted and has to like not be in the show that night. So yeah, like they didn't really address that. Like he's knocked out at the beginning, which is why they had to throw Adam in, mm-hmm. and then that's began that began his journey. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. curious, like how they auditioned for this film. Like not how did they audition to get into the strip club, but like how did these actors audition to oh, get into this film? Oh, what I wanted to circle back to though was Art. Tarzan the the first night that adam is there makes him spray his legs down yeah and then tells him to rub it in and it's like a whole thing where they're kind of alpha dogging him to touch his leg and then they and then they kind of laugh at him a little bit so i do think there is like i guess i should say that the the movie is hyper masculine but does uh seem to most of the time avoid the typical toxic masculinity. Yeah. Like they aren't, um, nobody's fighting over any girls in this movie. Uh, there is very little of the, of, you know, performative heterosexuality in this movie. There, like, there's a lot of scenes where the, 
men seem okay with like sharing whatever woman they're with. So there's, it is like, I would say that it's different in that way. I guess what I mean by hypermasculine is like you said, Francis, their body shapes are like, they're very muscular and they have that very angular, like broad shoulders. You know, there's a lot of humping. There's a lot of, a lot of them taking off in their thongs, humping people's faces, their faces. A lot of, that's that's what happens in strip clubs. I've never been to a male strip club. I don't know. Well, I'm, I can't say that surprises me. It doesn't seem like a place that you would enjoy. I had no idea that like men like hump people's face. I know they don't like touch them, but like still, I had no idea they like picked them up. Oh, I've been to a male strip club and I have definitely had a thonged dick slap me in the face. It it definitely happens. Oh my gosh. Um, Or they'll... But like, even when they are completely naked, they'll stick it in your face. Woo! Yikes. Yeah. It's not like a female. Like at a female strip club, they really, you really can't touch the ladies. And you can't touch them at the male strip club either, but they, they sure touch can you? touch you. Yeah. Um, it's. Can you say no? Because I noticed in this yeah, film that they went up to these women and just like kind of. Gro- I mean, the women were like, ah. You know, like, p- yeah, but- they, they can choose. They can yeah. see who would be into it. Mm. Right. You're not going to drag somebody from the back with the sour, fa- sour face unless it's part of the movie or whatever. But yeah. But, you know, they're going to they're going to grab the one that is going to tip them. Mm. Exactly. And I think if they if that woman seemed like she was about to have a panic attack, they'd probably just put her back down and move on. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I didn't um, like the one where the woman was plus size and he like picked her up and like threw out his back like i, I didn't like I, I loved that she i was like ooh, plus size he's gonna lift her yes. like it's gonna be great and then they did the joke where like he threw out his back and i, I was know, like why I didn't, why I didn't, I didn't like that <laughs> um yeah well so i've been trying to figure it out whether they're just like I, I guess if we look at Adam's journey and how he kind of starts out of this as this surly directionless, directionless young man, I feel like when he gets into the game of male dancing and is in this environment that's very like parties and women and drugs and sex, it seems to amplify his more like his more, I don't want to say animalistic impulses, but like the id, if you will, like, yeah, it seems to amplify that. Mm-hmm. So it, I feel like, but I'd also feel like the fantasy that they're selling is a, like a very binary version of masculinity. You know what I mean? Like, it's like firemen and soldiers and it's a very traditional, I should say traditional vision of version of masculinity, firemen and soldiers and you know, uh, uh, Tarzan and all this, like, st- like it's, it's very like a man's man, you know, like a man who drives a truck and I don't know. I didn't like how they did. They, they started his arc and then didn't finish didn't it. Finish it. Yes. I was just gonna, I was, cause yeah. That. Yeah. Great yeah Cause he, start, he, he starts off and he turns down the joint. Mm-hmm. So he's not that he's not into that lifestyle. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he gets seduced by it, which mm-hmm. that's what the story is about goes to parties, starts doing drugs, starts selling drugs. And then, you know, uh, Mike's character decides he wants out. And then mm-hmm. Adam's then, but Adam feels bad for what happened. Um, but, Does but he what happened with, 
not that yeah. well it's delivered by his sister so that's the thing he feels bad delivered by his sister they never interact again and mm-hmm. then you know Dallas is going to open up his new thing and Adam's going to be a part of it and that's the end of the movie mm-hmm. yeah so they don't finish there's no closure with that well I think the closure with Adam is more like he's an asshole like he just like started out as the sweet kid and then he just ended up being like this asshole who's like taking mike's place and he was just never like a sweet kid. he was no? i mean do you remember him That's... at the restaurant with this fucking hoodie over his head like just like i don't want to be a part of society okay you're right you're right he dropped out he, he got kicked out of college because he punched the football coach and he had a scholarship he just had less uh he had impulse control like lower, he's like a he's a dumb nineteen-year-old kid. Yeah, you know. In fact, I, what I'd like—I think what I want to talk about next is, um, I think where the movie tries to give us closure is that in this movie there are a series of men like looking for some kind of father figure or like guidance or like mentor. Um, I feel like that is the relationship between Mike and Dallas. Um, and Mike is trying to elevate that into a relationship where they're more equals and Dallas doesn't want anything to do with that. Um, I think Dallas sees himself as like the Papa hen of all these like little naked chicks that are like (laughs) in his flock, you know, and he's in charge and he doesn't want Mike to elevate up to the point where he is an equal in, in the house. He doesn't want that. Um, and I think that, Mike, it be for Alex becomes some kind of father, big brother kind of protector figure. Adam, yeah, Adam. Sorry, I keep calling him Alex. That's the actor's name. Alex and Adam. Where do you know Alex? Alex is the name of the actor. Sorry, I kept getting them mixed up. Yeah. Um. So I think that what we see happen is I, I at the end I actually had to ask myself: Is Adam? like the antagonist of this movie like who is the antagonist of this movie it's like he's the one who causes a bunch of bad things to happen to mike who seems to be the protagonist at first it mm-hmm. seems like it's alex but it's not and if i alex think it's the lifestyle you think the so? lifestyle the is the antagonist yeah because yeah. mike is trying to become like a, a like a legit businessman mm-hmm. um and you know this is a means to an end, and he can't accomplish his means because I don't know why he doesn't put his singles into a bank, like as a businessman, and then accumulate credit that way. Whatever, because um, there's nothing wrong with like you know putting yourself through school, getting money, how you you know through stripping or whatever sex mm-hmm. work, uh, if you're trying to accomplish Absolutely. an end goal. Yeah. So that whole yeah that whole scene in the bank where like he's got his down payment. Or because collateral, and he's he's getting turned away because of his credit. And I was like, "You've got all this money, put it in a bank, and build your credit for sure." <laughs> I think the problem is that he doesn't have anybody to give him the advice like that. Like he doesn't have so he doesn't have somebody in his life to tell him to put it in the bank. Yeah, like we he's don't know got who Dallas. Is or- who's got Dallas? Who says he's going to put his kid his fake kids that he doesn't have in front of a TV and make them watch Money Market or whatever on? on on the 24-hour news channel and tell them not even to go to high school like he doesn't have anyone apparently not that we can see in his life but, to to help him make an act like make better decisions there's no one in his life to help him with that he's just kind of he, yeah. he's putting and he on does the, the he does the books right for the, so it's like it's right. a circle that just can't finish 
can't close. Absolutely. He, I think he wants to be a legitimate businessman and he has dreams, but he doesn't, he doesn't know what the path is, but he does know how to put on the fantasy. So he Mm -hmm. puts on the suit, he puts on the the business guy glasses and he goes in and he tries to charm the woman behind the counter and it doesn't work in that environment. Mm -hmm. And she is trying in a way that makes, I think it makes him feel emasculated. Cause again, I think this movie is very like, I'm a man and I don't need this woman to tell me what to do. Uh, You know, I think that it was a very moment, a moment where he was feeling that where she's like, Hey, we have programs where we can, uh, you know, like help you up your credit score. And he's basically like, I'm not in distress. I have this whole stack of cash here. Obviously I don't need your help. You know? I feel like that part was a misunderstanding Yeah, because the programs that she was offering was not what he needed. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I don't think it was about her being a, a, a w- 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 woman. It was about him perceiving that she was talking da- da- down to him as a poor, as a poor person or as someone who sure. couldn't yeah. take care of himself or didn't know things or. Yeah. He did call her sweetheart though, which I don't think he would have done if it was a man on the other side of that counter. Yeah. So yes, it was about him. And I do think there's a message in this movie here about like people trying to come up and working hard to come up and being knocked down and knocked down and knocked down. And I think that's part of that, what that scene was about. But I, but I also think that he went in there and saw a woman behind the counter and was like, Ooh, I can compliment her on her necklace and I can charm her. And then when it didn't go his way and he started to feel a little insecure about it, then he starts calling her sweetheart. And like, I mean, I, to me, I think that was pretty obviously another layer of that interaction. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oof, gosh, there's just like so much to talk about you guys in this movie. (laughs) We haven't even gotten to all of the, I feel like we need to at least talk a little bit about each of these guys. Do you think we talked enough? Like, did we go through each one of them? We didn't talk too much about Dallas. God, I could talk about him forever. He's got so There's much. Dallas and Ken and Tito mm-hmm. and Big Dick Richie. I love, uh, God, I'm going to butcher his name because I do every time. Joe Maganello. Joe Maganello. Ma- Joe Maganello. Oh, my God. I I could, I, I just wanted, I wanted all of his scenes cut together and I just wanted to watch him. Like the, every time he was on, I was just like, you know, uh, there's more of him in the second movie. Oh, really? Oh, well, I'm going to have to. There's a, a second note. movie. I didn't, I forgot there was until somebody mentioned it to me what? today. And I was like, it's triple my six. Is it, is it on Max? Oh, I don't know what it's on, but I know there's a second one, and uh, he's. Si- I feel like he's sillier in it because he. There's a challenge when they're all doing a road trip somewhere, and they stop off at a convenience store, and there's a lone like teenage girl mm-hmm. at the cashier, and it he. I don't know if the guys challenge him or if he takes it upon himself, but he is trying to make her smile or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he does this whole dance routine in the convenience store, and she's just staring at him. I feel you like know, I deadpan. Would. Yeah. I feel like he was a bit of the, so that's big Dick Richie, right? That's his name. Yeah, I feel like he was it. a bit of the comedic relief already. Cause he, we had, we see him pumping the penis <laughs> early on. I also, didn't even know what that was until like the last like, oh the second of that shot. His dick right now. Um, 
but also they had him like painted like a statue i feel like there were a lot of moments where he was kind of like the joke was like he's this beautiful example of masculinity and we're gonna have him his routines are gonna be just like there's something a little absurd about it you know what i mean (laughs) yeah um ken was matt boner is it boner bomber 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 Bomber. i'm sorry i've got boners on the mind you guys boner nicole Boner? A boner? Was it boner? Boner. Boner. <laughs> With an M. Boner. Okay. So um he was, I guess he's like the conventionally pretty stripper guy. Is that, yeah, that- of, Matt Bomer always reminds me of Henry Cavill. Yeah. Like, I thought it was Henry Cavill at first. And then I was like, wait. No, it's Matt Bo- Bo- Bomer. They look so alike. Yeah, but Matt. Bomer has like emotional levels, which I think makes it a little bit better. Of yeah. Henry I like- Cavill is a little bit of a piece of a beautiful piece of rock, but kind of a piece of rock when he acts. But Matt Bomber's a little bit leaner, so he's a little more attainable in my eyes. So yeah, that's that's my guy. He looks a bit <laughs> like a corporate pretty boy. Maybe I'm just yeah. thinking of him. That's why he's that's why he's Ken. The Ken doll, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I loved the Ken doll. Oh, that was so fun. He was also a good dancer. I was like, yeah. oh, he can- I didn't, I forgot he was in this movie. I did not notice there was one time when they all were supposed to like shake their butts. Like it wasn't twerking, but it was like you stand still and your butt's supposed to shake and oh. none of them could do it. Like they all were like, <laughs> what about- I was like, these are like- actors. These aren't Channing da- dancers. Tatum. Channing Tatum, I felt like had a healthy control of his gluteal muscles. He is a really good dancer. Like I think he's like, Da- da- dancer first, actor second. I mean, he's a good actor too, but mm-hmm. like he can dance. Um, and then, well, we talked about Tarzan. Uh, gosh, Dallas is is icky mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> Matthew like, McConaughey very icky, but Matthew McConaughey, I feel like he looks like was, he always smells bad. Yeah, like he smells a. Well, he looks a bit like he smells very musky. I would say musky. Yeah. His hair yeah. looks like it smells bad. It's always a little wet. Um, but I will say that I felt like his performance for me was the standout performance in this movie. Like he seemed really at home in this character personally. To he me, he always seems at home in his char- char- characters. Like he, well, it he's, really he's stuck out always to me good. He plays this character a lot, though, I feel like. I feel like in a lot of the roles I've seen him in, he's like this, like, like it's like overconfident his stud guy. It's like his character from Dazed and Confused. Uh, like, this is what he did after he stopped hanging out with all the high school girls. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a like, continuation. It's like they these those characters live in the same universe. Um, but no, I actually thought he brought a lot of levels to this because he's the he's the showman. But also, like, he's assessing all of these men that are in this club that are kind of under his th- care. I don't, or thumb, or I'm not really sure how to describe wing. it. Scrotum. Under his wing, under his scrotum. <laughs> they, he's assessing each one of them and what they can bring to him. Like, what mm-hmm. resources are they going to bring into his business, right? He's always on the sidelines kind of assessing where where to put these guys to make him the most money, right? Well, isn't that what a business person does? Sure, but there's something very cutthroat about that. Like, yeah, that I had an issue with how his relationship with Mike 
dissolved. Mm-hmm. Like they had a working relationship all these years. He depended on Mike. And then, you know, Mike has one night where he's like, I don't, I'm out. I don't feel this anymore. And he doesn't pursue it. He's yeah. just like, all right, you're out. Yeah. Well, Cut off. So here's my question though. Do you think that he was ever going to let Mike be a partner in this business? Anything more than just a dancer and a no. like the guy that does the books? No. Well, he had discussed equity. I think he discussed equity with all of the dancers because Adam was saying that he got some. And then that's what set Mike off was like, that. how are we equals? I've been, you know, helping you and bringing in people and grooming people for all of these years. I want 10%. And then uh, Dallas wasn't budging. And then that's when. I feel like separated. the equity is a is a carrot. I feel like it's a yeah. carrot he dangled in front no, of Mike sure. and it's a carrot he's dangling in front of all these other guys to get them to move. He's giving them as much as he can spare without impacting himself, his business or his control over the business that he has. And that's not necessarily a terrible decision. Like most of these guys are not very reliable, you know? Uh, and I think Dallas thinks very like Dallas has made this business like that's his choice that this is his commodity and he has learned everything that he needs to know about it he has a very strong opinions about what those women want and he's obviously delivering it in such a way that 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 there he's got a profitable business and he can buy us Miami is not cheap like buying real estate in Miami is not cheap so he's obviously doing well hey I just thought thought of something the crowd is full of women. Mm-hmm. What about men who are attracted to men? Like, is are there gay male strip clubs that are that are? Yeah, yeah. Swinging yeah. Richards is totally gay. Yeah. So this is like a straight male strip club. It just depends on who shows up. Okay. I mean, like you can't. I mean, there, I mean, there's something to say about marketing, but it's you know, it's whoever shows up. Yeah. I do think it's interesting to bring that up because what like they chose in this movie to not have any men in that crowd, not what, not even one. Mm-mm. So that's a choice that was made by yeah. the filmmaker to say this is a club that only women are here. Yeah. So I do think it's important to bring. I don't that know up. what that means. I don't know why that was the choice, or. But in reality, it would be it would probably mostly be gay men and then some women. Well, the club that I went to had mostly women but there were some men there it wasn't only women like there were definitely men at the club so um mm-hmm. i i don't know so i i'm not sure why i mean i do know why it seems like to me it seems like they're afraid to bring that into the story cuz there would be men yeah. there or it's just lazy storytelling i mean or you know yeah. cuz the the the, well, the relationships Sorry, go. I'm sorry, please continue, Francis. You were saying. Oh, I was just saying because uh, the, they were talking about, you know, their personal relationships, which were heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And then so they just probably didn't think outside enough to just pack the club um, beside, uh, with anything else besides women because that's who they're going to go flirt with. That's who they're going to pick up. That's who they're going to kiss, even though they're not supposed to kiss anybody, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, that. I'm surely real and reality wise. Yeah. They should have included 
types, gay men or any other pe- type of people. But I mean, because like they were all, all mostly all white, you know. Yeah, yes. that's it. Like, one like, person of color as a stripper. And yeah. I can promise you in Tampa, it's not just white ladies going to that strip club. Um, yeah. So, but there were so, also yeah. no, there were no black men in on in the group of dancers either. It was just Tito. He was, was the only person Tito. of color. And all of his dances, we didn't even get to this, but almost all of his dances were based on his ethnicity, it seemed like. Right? Unless he was in a group dance. All of his shtick was based on... What What were his... They're in Florida. <laughs> well, didn't, didn't he ask Tito to get out there and do something like... He, I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but... Like everybody, like he, they, they, they were putting each of these guys in a box and his box was him being, you know, a Latino man. That's who, that was the box they were putting him in. So I think that, I mean, Steven Soderbergh is not a, he's, he's not, he's not, he didn't forget to include these groups of people. He didn't forget to include African-American women or men they just made a choice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not the way I think it would be in reality. Mm-mm. And in fact, uh, the I not like I'm a frequent, uh, frequent flyer at these clubs, but certainly in my 20s when I had, you know, friends that were getting married or, you know, girls going out, at, you know, for a crazy night. I'd, I've been to a couple of these type of clubs and it's definitely not all white and it's definitely not all straight. And I don't think it would be like that in a big city like Tampa. Yeah. Not that Tampa's as big as Miami. Yeah, I do remember but. thinking it seemed very white, very straight, very... Uh, there was yeah. a particular group of people that they were trying to tell a story about, and it didn't include those other groups. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right, what else you got on your list, Sarah? So this happened... Um, Earlier on, I just these cu- couple of lines really struck me. Um, when Adam and Mike are in the club trying to recruit girls to come to mm-hmm. their, um, I wonder if we wrote Mike's- the same. I wonder if we wrote the same line down, Sarah. Yeah, um, she looks like she she doesn't want want to be bought bothered. And then Mike says, "Look at what she's wearing. She came here to be bought bothered." I wrote that down too. I think it's, let's talk about the way the women are portrayed in this movie. So they're, they don't have, the only person who gets some, well, Joanna gets a little bit of depth and Brooke gets a little bit of depth, but overall, like the women are like, um, gosh, they're, they're lures. They're, um, Plot devices. Uh, they're plot devices, but general, but for to the men, they're mm-hmm. just a thing to use either for money or yeah. for sex. Um, they're for their conscience. Hmm? Uh, Joanne was supposed to be Adam's conscience, and then a little bit of Mike's. Oh, you mean Brooke? Brooke, the sister. Brooke. Joanna yeah, yeah, Brooke. is the yeah. grad it's student. A psychologist. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think that I'm trying to think I'm thinking of the women in the club like they're like hooting and hollering and having a good time. And I think they're they're I'm these guys 
generally aren't looking for any kind of intimate connection with these women. Um, all the like in like a emotional connection, except for Mike, who yeah. seems to be trying to even force like an intimate connection with Joanna where there isn't yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I think that something that struck me about this film is that um if this were a film about female stress 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 strippers, we would have the same problem where the female strippers are not real human beings and the male characters are the real human beings. You think Except, so? I think so. Like I think that I mean maybe not today, but may, maybe when this was made or before like I think that even I mean we've seen it so many times a movie that's supposed to be about women ends up being about the men. And I think uh, that even though I don't like the movie Hustlers, that's not true. Yeah, well, I was going to say we should we should yeah. that's I think definitely something we should look at at some point as Hustlers. Uh, I'm trying to think of a movie we did watch for the show uh, for this striptease? show. Striptease. I didn't see see striptease. I wanted to a- ask you about about that. So I've well, never seen it. Uh, so that movie, Demi Moore is the main character, but I would, but she doesn't like her relationships with women in that movie is very are very flimsy. Like in terms of like they're there and they have discussions and they have like. Uh, but it's not like the ca- women's relationships together are not a driving f- force in the narrative. Yeah. Her relationship with um, other people in the movie that are that are male characters is more is stronger and has more depth than her relationship with the female characters in the movie Striptease. Yeah. And that was in the 80s. Like, I'm just saying that not now and not when uh, H- H- Hustlers came out, but like maybe like before like in the early 2000s and then the 90s and 80s and stuff that it would just be kind of we'd still see the issues with the the the, the female characters even if they were the the, the main character characters i think what you're responding to is what you, i think maybe what you're getting at here is that in me- strip clubs are used frequently in movies mm-hmm. but they're often used as a, a backdrop yeah or a set piece um, and the women are often used as more like eye candy and like, not that there's not eye candy in this movie. I do think this movie is like titillating in a way Super that's eye candy. Be, yeah. It's meant to be titillating. I feel like I, let me, I, let me put a pin in that and circle back to it. Cause I want to ask like, who's the audience for this movie, mm-hmm. but let's circle back to that. Uh, but this movie has eye candy in it, but it's also like about these people and their relationships. Whereas most of the time when we see strip clubs with women in it, it's not like, they're just kind of like, they're like house plants. Yes. In the yes. background. I, I am <laughs> responding to that, but I'm also just saying that we've seen movies in the past where the female main characters are not as developed as the male sus side character characters. That's just what oh, I'm, for sure. I'm for sure. Heard, basically. Yeah, you um, know what? I, I I think that's a reasonable uh, a reasonable complaint and certainly something we've seen in a lot of movies. And I will say that I think that even though there's a appears to be a lot of objectification in this, all of the routines seem to be more about look at their skill and, and their control, at, their skill and control. Whereas I feel like when women are shot doing these things, it's more about look at their bodies, look at their 
or maybe that's just what's going on in my head. I don't know. Bodies are on display, but I also feel like the links that they have to go to like (laughs) to perform in this venue is like feats of incredible strength, which I think uh, and Francis, correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like that's pretty true to going to a male strip club. It's not enough for them to just dance and jiggle their balls around like they have to lift things. Um, they lift people they lift things it's like there are feats of strength in addition to just like shaking shaking their you know shaking their buns or whatever you know i've only well i've been to swinging richards and the mm-hmm. coronet club um, yeah, coronet Cor- club's the one i've been coronet to. club had like the men and the women um i don't know i feel like women women's strip clubs there's more developed routines like each stripper will come out and have a routine and do their thing. Whereas, well, at least in Swinging Richards, everybody's just out like a buffet, just swinging their meat. Oh. So there's not a lot for them. There wasn't a lot of like lifting because well, it's mostly gay people. Mm-hmm. So they're just going up to trying to get their tips and then trying to sell a private dance. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I can't remember much from the Cornet Club because I was in college um the, my experience like, with the yeah. club was more like this where it's one guy comes up and he does some kind of themed dance and he's picking up a woman in a chair like it was very similar to this obviously the this movie was much more elaborate like the fucking right. choreography was not anything of this level at the coronet club <laughs> you know but it was more like that one person at a time coming out or maybe two guys doing a te- thing together but that was my experience. Yeah. It is my goal to one day when we Vegas is back open to go to, to see Thunder Down Under and then maybe I'll get more of an understanding. So we'll have you we'll have you back on the show. Yeah. We can give us an update. I do feel like at a at a high I guess I mean, is this place a, a fancy joint? Or it seems I don't like think a so. strip just a hole in the wall. Mall. Yeah, it seems like a strip mall strip club to me. Yeah. Welcome to Plug It Up. This is the part of the show where we uh, where we talk about some things that we're doing uh, that we want you to watch or and or listen to. Uh, let's uh, start with our guest, Francis, who I think also has some trivia, uh, some interesting trivia bits about the movie that she wanted to pass along to us. Yeah. So Gabriel Iglesias, who played the DJ, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it was in his stand up or if it was an interview, but he talked about how they had like the sex toy master bringing in all of these prosthetics uh, because it's a, a movie about strippers. And sure. so there was a table full of dicks. And of course, a bunch of guys, they come in and they see a table full of dicks. They grab them and start late sa- lightsaber fighting with them. And they're making like the little pew, pew noises. Nice. So that just having that image was kind of funny in the way. And of course, the way Fluffy describes it is a lot funnier than the way I just did. Nice. I, I like that, that a lot. Funny. I like that image of them all smacking each other with dicks. I like it. Yep. Yeah. You know, I... <laughs> I'd like to come to work today and there'd just be a table full of dicks there. Why can't, why yeah. can't I come into work and there's just a table full of dicks? I, maybe you should start putting that in your writer. <laughs> From now on at craft services, there will be a table full, a table of, full of dicks. Of dicks. Um, thank you, Francis. That was a nice little trivia tidbit that gave me. A sure. You're welcome. Um, yeah, play that gif in your head over and over again. I, I, I would like to. Um, do you have anything that you'd like us to, uh, anything, any projects you're excited about or things you'd like us to check out? Um, well, a short that I shot 
two years ago, um, or less than two years ago, Baggage Check just recently got an award at the Cobb International Film Festival for Best, best Local Film, which was a surprise to me because it was re- it was like less than two minutes, this whole short. Well, so it's, it's a great um, film. Thanks. Uh, thank you for helping with the sound on that. I enjoy very much being on set. I'd be happy to do it anytime. Yeah. Um, so, so that was fun. And once things uh, clear up, I am really looking forward to doing film again. So Ava Davis, um, Michelle, I mean, Melissa Knapp and I have a, a short horror, experimental horror that we're working on. So we're looking oh, to yes. shoot. Um, I also have another horror short uh, that I was going to shoot, but I decided might be better as an animation. So I'm working with an animator on that. So hopefully those will come cool. out this year. Excellent. That sounds amazing. Is there uh, any social media or anything that people can follow you on if they want to keep up to date with what's going on with your work? So my social handles are, is my wrestling gimmick, Dr. Nice. Melee. And mostly Which I, I can't just believe we didn't talk about given that there's a wrestler in this movie, but somehow we just breezed <laughs> right past that. I was like, oh, that's why they asked me. No. Um, but mostly Twitter, I just complain about things or post funny jokes. And then my Instagram is hiking fit photos. So I'm not really that interesting in person. <laughs> well, <laughs> I disagree about that, but we're happy to have you on the show and we'll be sure to. So uh, if, 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 if uh, baggage check or any of these other films become available, uh, we'll pass along that info so people can see it. Yeah. My YouTube channel is media tiger tiger spelled T I G R E. Cause I'm nice. fancy. Excellent. Um, and that's where all of my other shorts are as well. Okay. We'll go in and Francis has a, a, a pr- prolific filmmaker, uh, lots of shorts up there. So go check those out. Um, awesome. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I would like to plug the critical crop top sketch comedy web show, which, uh, episodes now being released. Uh, Francis also, uh, worked on that with us, uh, did a couple of roles, uh, in belly craft and, uh, was one of the judges <laughs> in, uh, the great prison bake off and also did some narration for us. Uh, we shot this, uh, we shot 10 sketches, all virtual, um, it was super fun and, uh, we're releasing them twice a month. So there's, uh, at the, by the time this comes out, there'll be two up because group therapy is coming out tomorrow. So, uh, very excited about that. So go check out, uh, uh, critical crop top. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at critical crop top. And, uh, you can go to the critical crop top YouTube channel and all the sketches, uh, will be uploaded there as well as sketches from our live shows. And you can also watch the vidcast of this podcast over there as well. So critical crop top. Um, all right. Well, it's been uh, super fun having you on the show. Um, I hope, uh, that everyone comes back next week, uh, when we'll be talking, uh, or sorry, two weeks from now when we'll be, uh, we, of course, we're splitting this conversation in. Uh, do two parts um and uh so come back next week and we'll and and we'll, ta- uh, we'll be talking more about magic mike with francis uh please uh tweet at us and tell us what you thought of magic mike uh you can find us on twitter at fem mistake pod you can also find us on facebook and instagram at uh, instagram at feminine mistake pod all right are you the so- one this film was for let, let, are let you, us know were you yeah. the person were you the person that this movie was for are you nipple blind but pelvis aware yes pelvis aware <laughs> <laughs>